Hey everyone, welcome back to the Devil's Advocates podcast. I'm JP. I'm joined with Jake and Brat Pack over here. Um, and about three minutes ago, we found out that Alex DeBrinkett was officially traded to the Detroit Red Wings for a conditional first, a Kubalik, a fourth, and some nobody player. Right. The man has a family. <laughs> 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 what if he listens to that? Oh no. Oh God. Grew up a Devils fan. Family were diehards. This is their favorite podcast. Been listening since the start. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's an, he's an episode one, day one guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what do you guys think? I, yeah, it's whatever to me. I mean, great for Detroit. Um, min, I wouldn't say no risk, minimal risk, uh, considering the track record. Of Dabrinkit, the only reason it even looks slightly risky is because of the slight fall off last season. Uh, otherwise, I mean, if he bounces back even slightly, the AAV is fairly on target. You know, maybe in a year or two, we might say it's a little high, but with the cap jumping, probably not. Um, anything, you know, the, both both parties are hedging their bets on the short term, but I believe Dabrinkit really wanted something more long term. And he didn't get that, uh, but maybe it works out for him, and he gets a bigger payday with the bigger cap. So, yeah. well, and there's also some devil's implications here because if you guys remember, you know, last year we were talking about trading our second overall pick for Debrinket, and actually probably even more than that uh, was the ask. So, looking back a full year now, not getting Debrinket, you know, keeping the second overall and filling in Timo Meyer in the spot where Debrinket would have been. How do you guys feel we did, you know, relatively compared to trading for Debrinket? Uh, I mean, I think it's no question we ended off better not trading for Debrinket. Um, just based off the fact that Timo Meyer is a better player in like every facet of the game. But yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't be happier that we didn't trade the second overall pick to like at all, let alone for a player who did not have a very good season and immediately basically requested to be out of the team that he got traded to last year yeah let this be a lesson to not just casual fans but fans that think they know more than they do that you don't just toss out picks willy-nilly because that free agency class or there's this one player available that you think is an absolute must get compared to everyone else Debrinket was not worth a second overall pick. Detroit, uh, not Detroit, Ottawa overpaid with seventh, seventh overall, plus a, a second so. and a third, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, if if Ottawa inked a, an extension on him, and you know he produced last year and continued producing, you know, at in the long term you could justify the seventh. But oh my gosh, does that look horrific now? Seeing how it how it played out and. Well, I think DeBrinket probably has a better year than he did in Ottawa just because our team's a lot better than the Senators. Um, I definitely, definitely much rather have Timo, especially for the price. I mean, if you compare trying to give up a second and probably a little more for DeBrinket, and I'll say even DeBrinket played at his peak, I would still rather have not made that trade and done what we did to get Timo. When you throw in the assets involved too, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, it's definitely funny that like, some of the devil's biggest moves, and they've made a lot of big ones, have been the ones that we didn't make. Because Johnny Gaudreau and Debrinket now are looking like two of the bigger, um, you know, at the time seemed like swing and misses. And now looking back, I'd say we're in a much better spot without either one of them. Yeah, I mean, even if you look at what Ottawa, like, again, going back to what Ottawa gave up last year to Chicago... Seventh overall pick is not nothing. You know, Kevin Korczynski is, like, going to be a really good player. That's who Chicago ended up drafting. Um, so Ottawa lost out on that, and they only got one year of very, very mid-Alex Dabrinkit. You know? Not to mention, like, the the situation that the franchise is in. They're still, a, you know, a little later in a rebuild now, but a rebuilding team... Rebuilding teams don't punt first-round picks to get one year of a guy. Like, that's insane. That goes against all of the rules of rebuilding. So, it's <laughs> you got to think it's got to set Ottawa back a little bit here doing that. Um, I want to keep it mostly Devils-focused, but my goodness, 
does this have to feel even worse for Ottawa? So, like, let's say hypothetically this ended up moving to, like, the Islanders, right? I uh, know they were in on Debrinket. Um, you know, that probably, let's say it was, like, the exact same trade. A conditional first, a couple middle, or one middle, one nobody, and another pick. Um, it doesn't feel as bad, but the fact that they moved him to a divisional rival who is probably their biggest competition for those, like, wild card spots going forward for a basically this entire contract the next five years they're basically uh i don't even know who he would say is ahead here that i think you could arguably debate maybe after this trade detroit has moved ahead of ottawa but ottawa has a lot of nice young pieces so like before this trade i probably would have taken ottawa long term over detroit uh, almost for sure this one maybe i'd have to look over the rosters again and think about because i don't remember exactly who what each team has done so far this offseason but I mean, that just does not feel good if you're a Senators fan that you got spent all this to get to Brinkett, got nothing back, and he's now in Detroit. I actually I disagree with your last take. I think Ottawa is still firmly ahead of Detroit. Detroit's roster. Like I said, I, I'm not even going to argue because that's probably yeah. accurate. I remember, I remember being much higher on Ottawa before this trade. Right. I, I don't remember exactly what moves were made the offseason for both. I mean, yeah, Detroit has, I guess, Debrinket now and Dylan Larkin and, like, Mo Sider, and that's kind of, like, their only high-end talent. But, you know, Ottawa has some pretty nice pieces. I'm looking at it real quick. Oh, no, Andrew Kopp is now longer term in Never. Detroit. David Perron's got one year left. That's nothing. Ooh. Um, yeah, no, Detroit. <laughs> We're really not, moving the needle over here. Not really that <laughs> impressive. Yeah, no, yeah. Detroit's Detroit's lineup is a whole bunch of like, eh. Yeah, no, I'm definitely much heavier. Uh, look, going back over it again now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, for sure, definitely Ottawa. Yeah. Still doesn't feel good. Right. But but could be worse. Oh man. Could be worse. Could be worse. Could be Detroit. Yeah. No. So um, so I feel like it would be irresponsible not to share with anyone listening that this is actually a bit of a re-record for us that uh, we, we did have a, an episode done on some of these topics and, uh, you know, a couple days later come to find that none of it actually recorded. Woo. So, J- JP, you want to walk us through that real quick? Cause oh. some of the some of the listeners and maybe some of the hosts are still a little annoyed at that. Oh, yeah. No, I would agree that all of the hosts are very annoyed at that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I recorded and video came through and audio did not. Um, and then I later found out that the audio was playing through a different headset of mine. But I also after that found out that it only recorded my audio and jake's audio and bp was nowhere to be found yeah i i felt like a million bucks hearing that that they just left me out completely some listeners would have called that an improvement yeah i mean i would <laughs> i'm sure some some of you guys would have appreciated that but the main thing that i think we discussed kind of in depth is something that hasn't really changed since we recorded that episode and that's Vladimir Tarasenko. We, we, we talked a while about the, the confusion around his situation, and it's been a few days now, and we still haven't heard anything. And I feel like that almost adds to the confusion of what we talked about. So, um, you know, for anyone that doesn't know, I'll kind of just go over this real quick. But, you know, it looked like he was down to about five teams that, or five or six teams that had offered him. And, it, you know, we got a report that it was closing in with Carolina, that he was going to be a hurricane. Um, I, I don't think we got years on that. I think it was just that he was going to sign. And then out of nowhere, he fires his agent and the deal went, you know, poof into thin air. So he signed a new agent and we haven't heard a word since. Like, what are we supposed to make of that, you know, moving forward right now? Yeah, I forgot that the uh, Tarasenko to Carolina, quote unquote, broke. While we were recording this initial, uh, you know, topic, I and, I forgot that too. Yeah, like it broke mid podcast, and so we we're like, oh, of course, second episode breaking news, and then yeah, whatever. But looking at it now, <laughs> my bad. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you know, I think the only update we've really gotten since then is that he has his new agents that wanted to basically start fresh from zero and talk to every team again and just reset where everything was at 
I've heard rumors that uh, Ottawa was interested in him and that the Debrinket trade was holding him up from going there. I've heard he wanted to return to the Rangers. Um, Carolina was still interested. Uh, random nobodies were throwing out that we're interested, which we're not. Uh, not anymore, I don't think. I don't uh, know why we would be. Previously, you know, I'm sure I'm sure we kicked tires just to see, hey, do you want to come here? Kind of similar to some of the other uh, wingers out in the market that took one year, very low, ter- um, very low AAV deals. Maybe then, you know, if he took something so low just because he wanted to cup chase with us, it, you could not say no. You know, it'd be irresponsible for Fitz not to check on that. Uh, but from the sounds of it, you know, he wants more than way more than we probably would want to pay him for what he would bring to this team. So, yeah, no, I, I, wherever he ends up, he ends up. It, um, I, I think now with the the Brinkett domino falling, hopefully some of the rest of these moves start start get going here. Yeah, I really think we're going to start seeing a lot of moves now that, you know, one big one has been made. I feel like a lot of people have been kind of holding out around the league for something to happen so they can also make their moves. Do you guys remember, I, I, and it may just happen every summer, but do you guys remember last summer, um, you know, obviously Gaudreau was the big guy off the board day one, and Pollot came at like 11.30 at night day one still, and then Nazem Kadri was a free agent for like two weeks, and like no one had any idea, like no one had heard from him, like there was no, we had no idea who was even interested in, and then like one day it was just like, oh yeah, he signed like a massive deal. like <laughs> with, with Calgary of all teams too. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that came out of nowhere. So I feel like we're going to get one of those with uh, Tarasenko here. Um, but, you know, one thing we talked about um, and we're going to have to re-talk about now is kind Thanks. of the <laughs> is, is kind of the lack of um, hype with the Devils in free agency this year because, you know, we had Dougie Hamilton, we had the whole Gaudreau saga. It feels like the last few years now we've been all in on these, you know, premier name guys. And this year really doesn't feel like that. It feels like we, we made our big, you know, trade in Timo Meyer during the season, but we really haven't, you know, we're not connected to any names or not any big ones now. Like, feels pretty good, guys, if I got to be honest here. It feels good because I don't think we need it this year. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I do think we kind of missed out on maybe a couple contracts that we could have put on, like, our third line because, you know, assuming... Although I guess it, it doesn't really matter if Holtz is ready, then, you know, that's kind of a moot point. But, you know, like Duchesne signed one year for three mil, Sprong signed one year for two mil, even Wheeler signing for 800,000. Like, I feel like we might have missed the boat there a little bit, um, but I'm, we not, like, I'm not mad about it. No, we weren't getting Wheeler. Not definitely not. I, I don't know. I mean... Wasn't the initial report that he just wanted to play for a Northeast Metro area team? And I I know that means Rangers most of the time, but (laughs) I mean, I feel like we're, you know, in that discussion. No, just, just, just a hard no on this one. Well, yeah. Well, multiple again, I'm sure Fitzy touched (laughs) base. Multiple hard no's. I'm I'm sure Fitzy touched base. I'm sure he checked in just to see what the interest was. But as soon as Rangers were interested and he was willing to go there for 800 K it was done and locked. And I don't think it's to be discounted. I I don't think Fitz would not take a premier talent purely for the fact that there may be rumor mills of locker room issues with the player, because I think he has a strong enough culture established here with our guys uh, from, you know, Jack and Nico, but then you got guys like Palat, uh, Dougie, and then apparently Toffoli is very outspoken and is a, is a big guy in the room. Uh, so when you got stuff like that, you know, maybe you're not worried about one dude coming in and messing it all up. That being said, I don't think he's going to bend over backwards for a guy that went across the river to the Rangers for the 800K. We're not going to offer him a whopping contract that's going to like pay him so much more he can't not come here. Couple that with the locker room. I don't even know if it's rumors. I think fully confirmed that Wheeler is brutal in the locker room. Um, I just, I don't see it happening because I don't think it's any secret. Our locker room is vibes. Those guys all have a lot of fun together (laughs) and I just don't see them messing that up. Well, I mean, that is honestly a perfect segue into, uh, you know, the next topic that we wanted to get to 
the the locker room vibe guys are coming back. We got the RFA. Uh, well, actually, they were technically uh, UFA signings at the time. Uh, but McLeod and Bastion, the super buddies, are coming back. Both, uh, like I said, on UFA deals, that was a little bit of an interesting moment we had there where they were not given qualifying offers as RFAs, but Fitz knew they wanted to be here and would get something done at a lower rate than they were going to make in arbitration, so they both came back the next day as <laughs> unrestricted free agents. Um, definitely interesting here. Because they're, uh, I think Bastion's on two year, McLeod's on one year. There, there might be some, you know, circumstances around that being the case. How do you guys feel about these contracts? Um, I really like them. Um, I thought, I think I, I kind of told this to you guys last time. I thought when McLeod wasn't qualified, I thought that had to do with Hockey Canada. I'm very glad that it apparently doesn't. Um, but I, I. As far as the contracts go, I couldn't be happier. Um, the cool thing about McLeod, and I don't think we mentioned this when we originally recorded this episode, um, we still have his rights after this after this year. We is that true? Yeah, we walked Bastion straight to unrestricted free agency, but we still have McLeod's rights after this. Um, and then obviously we're getting both at what two point seven mil, two point seven five. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's awesome. They're great fourth liners. Yeah, so uh, Nate Bastion, uh, and I'll again have to tell you guys again here. Um, me and my buddies a couple couple years ago now came up with a name for uh, you know this the style of play that Nathan Bastion brings to the table, and it's those guys who are in front of the net, get those rebounds, those tip ins, just kind of eat up the scraps every time there's a puck in front of the net. We call them the goal goblins, and guys like James Van Riemsdyk and Chris Kreider to an extent um you know made kind of made their careers off of this and I don't think Nathan Bastion is, is going to hit the peak that either of those guys hit I mean knock on wood if if Chris Kreider can pot 50 who knows maybe Nathan Bastion can too but um so I, I call him Nathan Bastion the goal goblin so I'm excited to 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 have him back and and get to post that meme for another 2 years now um but I I'm also with you I I thought McLeod I thought the circumstance of his, his off-ice um, you know, situation would have a lot more implication on his contract. And maybe it did. Maybe that's why he only got one year while they still kind of figure stuff out. Because I think there's still some reports you know, that are under lock and key right now that are still going to be coming out. But you know, purely talking on ice, like just getting rid of all of the noise and, and just talking on ice. McLeod at, what, was it 1.4 for him, I believe? McLeod at 1-4 for, you know, what he turned into at the end of the season last year and into the playoffs is is great. And um, I know you guys also kind of feel this way about face-offs, that they're kind of overrated, that people put a little too much stock in them, you know, to kind of overcompensate for other things. But, you know, he has this role on the team where it fits, um, fits. Uh, Ruff will put him out for literally just a face off try to win it and then skate straight to the bench and like that be it like that's his role like if he wants to play that role and they find value in that role bring him back at one year 1.4 it's a no-brainer right yeah absolutely i agree so my take on these two was uh, if we could bring them both back for a combined sub three mil i considered it a w um so percentage wise we got them Pretty decent amount below that, which I'm quite happy about. Um, I know Nate wanted a a good amount of money. Uh, I think that's probably where there's a little bit of holdup with his negotiations, but I think he came in pretty fair value for what he brings. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as being the next Kreider or anything, uh, I just don't think he has the opportunity here. Uh, We just have too much skill on this roster where the Rangers don't. So Kreider just gets a higher uh, available options being on power play one uh, and, you know, like top ice uh, with their semi-decent players where Nate is going to be playing, you know, fourth line minutes with us, maybe a little bit of PK. Uh, And while he did see some top power play units last season, I highly, highly doubt that happens again this year, especially with Timo and like Toffoli being brought in. Um, We did discussed this the last time so you guys know my thoughts on the hockey canada mcleod bearing on this contract i personally don't think it had any 
uh, for the sole reason of if it comes out, he was involved and he's going to trial at the very least. Uh, it feels like a very valid grounds to terminate a contract yep. uh, where term really does not come into play. Uh, I think if you know the Devils had any concern about that, uh, I don't think it came into the negotiations of term on this one. Um, like JP said, he's still an RFA afterwards. This is pretty crazy. Uh, I originally, when I did not realize that, thought this was a lot more of a bet on myself contract. Uh, I'm going to earn my money this year after a strong back part of the season, regular season, then a strong playoffs as McLeod. But him being an RFA changes my view on that slightly because we still have control there. He he doesn't have that negotiating ability to just walk and get that, hey, I can be a 3C premier face-off guy that PKs and plays that hard-nosed game in the playoffs that any GM is going to overpay for a la like. Uh, maybe not to the extent that Coleman got his money because that's just unless you get traded and win back-to-back cups is the, you're just not going to see that Coleman contract <laughs> to a lesser degree that thought process of I bring intangibles and I'm a dog in the playoffs I can show that in a higher role on another team give me my money it's different he's an RFA so uh that definitely throws me for a loop on where McLeod's head was at and not trying to walk himself to UFA but maybe his thought is, hey, the cap's going to bump. I'm only going to take the one year. This team highly values me in the role I play. Mm-hmm. Maybe they will slightly overpay in a fourth-line role what I maybe would have gotten. If I would have gotten two or three years now at whatever AAV, I will make up that difference and, and a smidge more because of the increased cap come next year, even though I'm still an RFA losing out on a bit of those negotiations. Yeah, I mean, it could also just be possible that he just, you know, likes being here and doesn't really care what his contract looks like because there's not a whole lot of a difference between 1.4 and 2, you know? Yes, there is. Oh, yes, that's a huge difference. Huge. Now, if you want to say there's not a huge difference between, like, Brat at uh, his contract and then bumping it up to 7.9 or 8, yeah, you know, that's percentage-wise, nothing crazy. 1.4 1.4 to 2 mils. Yeah, I guess that is a bigger difference than like 7.4 to 8. Yes. Yeah, Percentage-wise, right. it's yeah. that's a big step. When you're talking career earnings for these guys, you know, retiring at 35 if you're lucky, that extra $600,000 to last you the rest of your lifetime, I, I would I would take very seriously yeah, myself. Yeah, that's fair. McDavid's making in one year what some of these guys are getting career earning-wise. Right. So. I mean, get your it, bag, guys. Yeah. I, I don't think we ever on this podcast will ever have an issue with a player going and getting his bag. We talked isn't about it, it with Evo and Graves and Wood. No problems. It, isn't it like, and we can kind of, you know, this is just a 10 second tangent here, but isn't it insane that McLeod would have to play 11 years in the league to make what McDavid makes in one year and they're still vastly underpaid compared to other sports? That's insane. I mean, yeah, but to be fair, like McDavid is absolutely eleven times the player that Michael well, McLeod is. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right? I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a, a reference point. I don't think yeah. McLeod is, you know, in the same league, you know. So Real to speak. quick, just because I can't remember if we did this on the podcast that got scrapped, or if this was in our first episode, it might have been the first episode. But talking about McDavid's contract, the fact he's going to be making sixteen plus mil, and then Jack will still be on eight. Mwah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was your hot take that McDavid's gonna sign for sixteen mil on his Oh that month. my hot take was Austin Matthews signing for sixteen mil. Oh that's yeah, I don't what think it was. it's very that's hot that McDavid's gonna get sixteen plus, I'll be honest. I don't think I, uh, I don't well, think it's very hot. I mean he might be worth that much, but you can't build a team around a guy making sixteen. So you know, ethically if you not ethically, but like theoretically, if you want to win a cup, you can't take sixteen. Right. What's the uh the bump uh rumored to be in a few years? It's like uh, nine nine mil in the three seasons from now. I think one it's mil- two seasons from now. I think they're saying that it's gonna be mid nineties. So I'll even I'll even play it somewhat conservative because I think it's one mil jump this next season. Then I think I heard four mil the season after, and then five mil the next. So let's just you know throw just ten about, mil yeah. on there, say like ninety two five or whatever. Right. Right. So that would bring us to ninety two five. Uh, yeah. What's a max value contract there? Was twenty percent of that? 
So I actually didn't even go max contract. I took him at the same cap percentage as what his first contract was, okay. which I think is, again, I'm playing it conservatively. He's getting a little north of 14 mil if he takes. So his, well, actually, his contract's only 15% now. So when he signed it, it was much more than that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, he's going to get 16. I'm convinced. And they I'll haven't won a money. cup yet. Yeah, yeah. No, he's getting 16. I think they need goaltending to win a cup. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, that is, again, another little 10-second tangent here, but that is such a funny conversation that we have where everyone talks about how elite goaltending carries teams and you have to have elite goaltending win in the league. And then we see Aiden Hill, you know, Stanley Cup champion. And, like, you know, last year Kemper wasn't uh, particularly the best goalie in the league. And it's, it's just funny how, you know, we see guys like Shesterkin get all the credit for, like, playoff runs, and then the Stanley Cup winners end up being, like, just some guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was kind of talking about that with one of my buddies on my way home today from Boston, um, where, like, there are, like, maybe five goalies that I would say are, like, consistently good no matter the circumstance. And then all of that gets thrown out of the window, like, as soon as you enter the playoffs. If you have just a goalie that just gets on a hot streak, like, you win the cup. Or are in the cup. Like, Bobrovsky had that ridiculous streak and then ended up fumbling in the Stanley Cup final. But, like, Aiden Hill was really, really good in the playoffs. Yeah, we'll see if he repeats, especially with, you know, a full season. I think that actually also has some to do with it. When these goalies play, uh, like, Hellebuck, uh, at the end, he played, what, 10, 11, 12 straight starts, I think it was. Something crazy to force their way in. And that's going to... You're going to burn out and, you know, then playing the intensity of the playoffs on top of that. Right. Yeah. That you just, if you're going to be that guy, you still need somewhat of a workload balance in the regular season. There's no Marty's in the league anymore. You're not playing 78 games, then going into playoffs and still crushing it. Yeah. It's just, I, it's not that I, game. I, I think it was um, no goalie that's played. I think, I don't know if it's played or I think it may have been one more than 50 games, uh, you know, since like, Jonathan Quick did 49 for the Kings. Um, yeah, goalies are just getting way less in terms of games played and wins now. But I know I know we're going to do deep dive into goalies next episode because that's going to take up a whole episode on its own. Right. But Kevin Weeks did just tweet out about 10 minutes ago, uh, now that the Debrinkit trade has been made, Kevin Weeks said, up next, is Hellebuck on the move? Question mark And tagged a bunch of his... Uh, <laughs> you know, accounts and threw a picture of Hellebuck up there. And I, you know, we can, we can go in depth on this more next episode, but when Kevin Weeks puts up those tweets, it doesn't mean anything is uh, necessarily totally imminent, but he doesn't throw up those tweets unless something's in motion. I, of all of the big hockey insiders, I don't like Weeks the most. Oh, let's unpack that. Yeah, I think he just kind of like says things without actual substance like keep an eye on i'm going to the bathroom like (laughs) so so right after i said oh yeah he doesn't just say things just to say things you're like well sometimes he says things i think he just says things to say things like he said keep an eye on timo meyer extending eight years like three weeks yeah but like three weeks before it was even like close to be but fair, it ended we up also heard rumblings that that was an inevitability. Pretty like, much. sure, but you could have said that like four months ago and also been like, oh, I called it. Someone I mean, that's, could have. That's what so, BP did with the Brat contract. Uh, like, you beat me. That's literally what I was about to say. I was literally <laughs> about to say someone could have called the Brat extension a year ago. <laughs> but it's like no, it's but- like the same level of like clout for me on that is like. Weeks calling it three weeks early, or you accidentally calling it maybe a year ago. I think some stuff with Weeks is he has some insider knowledge. He has some sources on things that he'll throw out. And I think sometimes just in the environment that he is, NHL studios, guys he's buddies with, yada, yada, they just get to talking. And sometimes I think you get the facts of guys that generally know what they're talking about or maybe have insider knowledge are just shooting the breeze a little bit and they almost talk themselves into some moves like they're like oh yeah i kind of heard this and oh th- this this person talked to this person even if it was just a 
you know, checking in type thing and there really was no traction, even if they just hear that two guys spoke and then it kind of snowballs a little bit from there, he throws it out. But hey, I'll be honest, I'm here for basically any even semi-legit insider throwing stuff out there because it's just more fun. I'd rather that than just well the boringness that is NHL insider. <laughs> but then you get Saravelli talking about John Gibson requesting a trade, and then Gibson's agent writes a letter publicly to Saravelli saying, "Hey, we didn't say that. Like, stay in your lane, buddy." Didn't he yeah. come back at the agent though? Yeah, and he then did. blew the agent spot up. You can't tell me that's not juicy. I love it every time. Oh, it, it, it was like Jersey Shore NHL insiders <laughs> on Twitter, like edition. Yeah, uh, Saravelli went back at the agent saying, like, remember last time you said I had a false report? And he, like, completely, like, blew up this guy's spot because the agent had said he it was a false report. And, like, the next day it came true. So Saravelli was basically being like, you know, don't bullshit me in public, pal. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting to see what out. ends up out of that one. Like, to, to yeah. see who's right. So we'll see, uh, save that. We'll again. We'll yeah, save yeah, that yeah. One for the, the next yeah. episode, goalie episode. Well, we'll get into to the goalie trades next episode. Um, so there is one uh, Devils RFA that was not qualified, along with McLeod and Bastion, that we thought was going to be coming back. Um, I, I believe Amanda Stein put out a tweet saying all three of these guys will be, you know, negotiating tomorrow. We're st- we're hoping to keep all three, and then the next day, only two signed contracts. Uh, what happened to Boquist? Uh, I think we did hear, I, f- I forget at this point who, who tweeted it out, but that Boquist was not returning. Yep. Yeah. So to me, it really just comes down to, I think he had a pretty good year, uh, had pretty good impacts and played a fairly strong role, uh, in multiple facets and clearly has an innate talent there that hasn't either fully been realized or just isn't being fully utilized quite yet you know sometimes it's kind of hard to tell which way that goes with some players but i think it's he's probably due a contract that we just don't want to give him on top of the fact that we can bring in cheaper guys that either fill in or do that role better a la you're looking at third line you don't want to block holtz out if you sign bookvist we have one open spot on the roster at best, at best, because Lazar is still sitting there on the sidelines looking to get him to the lineup. We know management is very high on Nolan Foot, yep. uh, looking for him to fill in the wood spot. And I know they absolutely want Holtz to force his way onto this lineup with Toffoli and the other moves we made, likely in a uh, third line right wing spot, but kind of talked about it where he could force himself into the top six maybe see mercer to foley or you know rough loves his line uh blender so who knows exactly how the top nine would shake out if holtz is in there but i just really think it came down to bokefist was the odd man out and we just had too many young guys ready to come up to fill in those spots that they didn't want to block up and i mean i think uh even beyond that there's still like even other guys like clark and we kind of forgot for a while about Tice Thompson. I, I think there's just too many guys competing for these spots now that can't really commit to someone that you really don't feel like committing to. So I, I definitely get the um, theory behind it. And I, I, you know, I think he is just another body that was competing for a spot. But it's, it's just weird that it seemed like for all intents and purposes that he was going to stick around, that they were going to work on it. And I feel like, you know, the next day we just heard, Oh yeah, he's, he's just going to go be a free agent. Right. So I feel like something may have happened. Um, I feel like there would, I, this is obviously just conjecture, but I feel like there was a price point at which we would have brought Boquist back. I don't think Boquist values himself at that same price. Um, just from my eye test, I think he has some pretty high-end raw talent. Um, I'm not going to say he's like an elite talent because obviously if he was, he would be producing more. But I think he's a great skater. I think he has underrated hands. Um, you know, okay shot, okay playmaker. But with that high-end skating ability, I feel like he is kind of betting on himself in a way where he's like, no, I'm not going to sign a $900,000 contract. I'm going to see if I can get yeah one and a half mil somewhere in an increased role and prove to them that I deserve a, a, a higher contract. 
with Nate Bastion making 1.3, I <laughs> no no offense to Nate Bastion here. I love Nate Bastion, but I don't think anyone else near that level can justify making less. You know? Yeah. Yep. I fully agree with yep. all points. So I, I do get it. Um, and then so the one other thing we definitely wanted to get to on this episode was kind of um, I don't want to use the word underwhelming, um, but I'll say uneventful draft for the Devils because I feel very I feel very strongly about not feeling very strongly here. I think it's an amazing thing that this draft kind of really didn't mean much for us because it, we, it really didn't have to. BP, I want to cut you off real quick yep, before please. we dive into that, just because we, you know, we kind of t- discussed our RFAs across the board. Um, oh, yeah. I still find it interesting that we've got Ball just kind of hanging out there. That's weird. With, and yeah. again, we we never still haven't gotten a Colin Miller media availability, and then obviously still no Fitz media availability. Um, I don't know if you guys have any strong feelings, at least on the Ball front, of where why he's kind of just hanging out there. It, it does seem like they really want him back. Is it? Is it a negotiation? Is it? Is, where are your guys' heads at on that one? Because I, I'll be honest, this one I'm a little just unsure. Yeah, I mean they did qualify him. I, I think they made it clear that they want to keep him around and they feel like they can do it cheap enough. And I don't think he's um, eligible for arbitration. So I think that was a big reason why they qualified instead mm-hmm. of did what they did for McLeod and and Bastion. Um, I think that he's kind of um, on the back burner, but I don't think it's because they don't want him around or that, you know, something's gone sour or anything like that. I think it really is, you know, let's see how the rest of the offseason goes and where your contract's going to fit in here. Because if they do trade for a goalie or if they make another, you know, Toffoli-esque move, they need to know how much money they're working with exactly. And those kind of moves will come before contract like kevin balls so i don't think it's um necessarily a bad thing that it's not it's that it's taking a while um i don't think it's all that important but i mean that in a good way i mean like he's he's gonna be there they're gonna get it done it's gonna be fair i don't think they're worried about it so i don't think it's urgent in that sense yeah i i kind of agree um i don't really think like i don't think he's gonna be making more than a million so I don't even think he thinks he's going to be making more than a million. He had a very limited role last year. You know, he obviously came, you know, more with the squad towards the end of the year uh, and into the playoffs. But I think he recognizes that he's firmly in a third pair to seventh defenseman role. Um, I don't know if maybe he's on the trade block. Um, you know, like if if the Devils see an opportunity to move him, maybe because now we have you know, Miller, which I don't think any of us expected to trade for a bona fide third pair defenseman. Um, but, you know, he might, he might be on the trade block. I don't know who he would trade him for or why, but I, I just think it's a matter of time. I don't know if it's, you know, like super deep. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. I mean, that makes, that makes sense to me. Um, I think I had him originally penciled in at about 1.1, mm-hmm. uh, 1.1, 1.2, just depending on if it was a one- or two-year deal. Um, do you know – I don't know this. I'm so bad with this stuff off the top of my head. Do you guys know when the deadline, if there even really is a strict deadline, on non-arbitration-eligible RFA contracts getting done? Isn't it sometime, like, during the season? Like, it's not, it's not right away. I mean, he could play on the qualifying offer deal. Like, it, it's like um, – you know, like a a preset number that he plays on until he get, they agree on the new contract. Right. I believe, it, you know, if my days of playing EA Sports NHL have taught me anything, I always get that notification at like Christmas time, being like, if you don't sign him by January first, he's going to be, you know, taken <laughs> off the squad or whatever. Because um, I, right. I never sign those guys. <laughs> I have I think... a nasty habit of of just not getting to it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know of any specific date off the top of my head, but that sounds right. I know the one for, like, uh, who are arbitration, arbitration eligible uh, I, is somewhere in August. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if you're not eligible for arbitration, I believe it's around Christmas time, January 1st. Gotcha. Okay. And I know we probably could, e- I think we could even sign him for, like, three three years, and yes. he still be a RFA at the end of it. Right, he's only 
22, right? 23? 23. Um, he turned 23 last uh, just a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. Um, I do wonder if maybe there's a little bit of negotiation back and forth on the term. Um, team probably wanting to walk him kind of similar, maybe kind of like McLeod, leave him with one year of RFA left, mm -hmm. where maybe Ball would prefer shorter term, wait for that cap to bump a little bit, so on the re-sign, just percentage-wise, he gets a little bit more. Maybe that's the holdup. Now, if I want to address the JP bringing up a trade option, the only way I really see that happening is post, uh, or at least during training camp, if it becomes abundantly clear Nemich is making this team and, like, they just, for whatever reason, do not want to part ways with, like, Brendan Smith through waivers or something. <laughs> Otherwise, I... I think Kevin Ball is a hot commodity to hold on to unless some team is coming in hot with a big package because we know Kevin Ball is a big dude uh, that had played a solid game and maybe some team overpays for that, but I think it would have to be a big overpay. Not a, not a small overpay. I think Tom holds him on that. I think it'd have to be big. A big package for a big package. Exactly. Yeah, yeah Kev Kevin Ball's big package aside here. <laughs> um <laughs> no um i you well, know i really what's that i was gonna say that's it that's my that's it I, for fa's rfa's that's all i had i i really don't see him being uh trade bait at this point i think um and i i know one of you guys had mentioned that um the new the new trade miller didn't have uh media availability and i think part of the reason for that is because i think they may be planning on him being an ahl uh you know guy to start out and just be an insurance plan you know for brennan smith kevin ball hughes nemitz like whoever whoever they can uh, no am i am, am i way I, off here? i firmly disagree with that yeah, no. if anyone's going if the only way colin well no colin miller's on this team straight up it, he's on the team just yeah. with the role he played last year in dallas uh previous scenes with buffalo though his impacts that he puts up he's yeah. making he's on the team the only um, because if you try to send him down to the AHL, he's going to get picked up on waivers for nothing. Now, we didn't give up much for him. Like, it was just a future fifth, but you're not losing the value he would bring for nothing. If anyone's getting put through waivers because, like, Nemich forces his way on the team, it's going to be Brendan Smith. Yep. He's yep. he's just the extra guy. And then you have Kevin Ball as your seventh D. Miller, Nemich, bottom pairing. Uh, I kind of talked about this on a Good Morning Devils fan episode, but... If it comes to that, uh, otherwise, I think they just go with the asset management route. Nemich goes down, he's slide eligible, and you just run your your established defense. Right, but I'll, I'll just go I know we're getting then. getting close <laughs> on time here, and we did want to at least slightly yeah. touch on the draft. Um, I personally, uh, I, I said it to you guys before, unless it's a first round pick we have, uh, then I'll kind of really dive into okay, who are we possibly looking at here? Once we move that for Timo, my interest in the draft out the window basically yeah uh, I, i'm not a big you know deep prospect guy uh going past you know really the top half of a draft uh so our resident expert is uh jp who i know has some fairly strong feelings on it uh which i will then retort with my uh love of this team always and everything devils and bp will have his thoughts and we'll wrap up the episode yeah, I'm going to also pretty much respectfully sit out of most of the draft talk because I'm, I'm kind of the same way where, um, you know, half these guys are not going to make it to the league anyway. And um, the guys that do, I probably won't learn a ton about until they actually do put on the uniform and step on the ice. And I'm OK with that. Um, I also just consume so much media and sports and try to, you know, balance having a fairly normal life here that I feel like prospects would send me right over the edge into uh <laughs> just having my, my face in the computer screen at all times. Um, so I, I really tend to not look too much in the draft um, unless we have a top five pick, which we did not even have a first round pick this year. Nope. And um, kind of what I started saying earlier, and this is kind of my only thought on it, and then I'll turn it over here, is I'm really, really happy that I didn't have to care about this draft. I feel like we've built such a foundation. We have our guys, they're already in place. We're not really you know, banking on the immediate future through drafting as much as we were the past few years. And that feels really good. I, I think we already have our team and we don't really need to be looking at a first round pick um, to, to, to step in right away right now. So I like that feeling. It's given me a sense of vacation this summer. I get to, you know, lay out and not be 
looking up prospects, which I wasn't doing anyway. I'm lying to all <laughs> of you. Um, but but JP, I know you uh, dive a little deeper here if you want to educate us a little bit. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, I am, I'm kind of a big prospect guy. Um, whereas you two value having normal lives, I am a loser. So um, yeah, I figured I'd just, you know, do a quick rundown of, of our draft picks. Because to be honest with you, I don't really care about this year's draft picks that much either. Um, I don't think any of them are going to touch the NHL for one reason or another. Um, but I'll just start with Lenny Haminaho, which I apologize for absolutely butchering that name. Um, he's never going to touch the NHL because he absolutely sucks at skating. Um, if he didn't suck at skating, he probably would have gone in the first round because he is very good in other facets of his game. He's got a decent shot, really, 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 really high-end defensive IQ, um, kind of mid at everything else. But he's so bad at skating that it, it, it literally it doesn't matter. Um, and then next is Cam Squires. I actually like Cam Squires here. He's kind of a Dawson Mercer light, um, which if he does end up being in the NHL, I feel like he's kind of a fourth-line Dawson Mercer type of player. Um, and then we got Chase Cheslock. I My NHL comp for him was Jonas Siegenthaler. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be near to that player but he you know he'll sit in the ahl somewhere um cole brown he's huge um his best attribute is his shot and other than that i don't really care about him and then uh our sixth round pick i actually really like uh danil karpovich i think if anyone in our draft class makes it to the nhl it's going to be him um analytical models absolutely loved him he was ranked as like the 36th most likely to make the nhl in this draft um so i could absolutely see him in like a, a bottom four pair um pretty high end offensive stuff pretty okay at defense like he's not gonna you know make his money on defensive reads or anything but the upside is there um and you know fitz kind of touched on that uh in his interview with the draft, like at the draft, I think he said something along the lines of, you know, just, I don't really pay attention. So my scouts are just going to tell me who has the highest upside and then I'll pick that. And I think Karpovich was a really, really good pick there for upside. Um, but again, I don't think anyone in this class is going to make the NHL. So, uh, from what, you know, I've heard from you and what I have read, uh, uh Karpovich does seem like a fantastic pick. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, he's a big boy. And if you basically look at any defenseman pick that we take and you go, what would they look like next to Hughes? What would they look like next to Nimitz? And it's going, okay, all right, a big, big dude that can cover a lot of ice uh, on the left side in Karpovich. Maybe if he works his way up to, you know, that second pair with Nemich, could be something to value there. You know, I don't know if that was necessarily the thought process in any of these picks, uh, kind of the opposite with like Chase Cheslock. Another huge guy uh, plays the right uh, side uh, defenseman. Yep. Maybe pairs up with Luke. Maybe there's something there. Really, the uh, biggest thing I took away from this draft is it's the first time I can remember where we did not take a goalie. Yep. And um, that's really what stood out to me. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm rooting for all these guys. I hope they all have some value to them because uh, I, it actually just came back to me. It's something I brought up the last time. You want these guys to at least be something enough that they have trade value at minimum, hopefully. Now, obviously, across the board, especially as you get later into drafts and picks, it's just not going to happen. But you need to hit on some of these. You need those ELCs coming in, especially when we got guys getting big raises coming up. And you need assets that are going to be part of trade packages uh, that even can show a little flourish in the NHL. I mean, look, we had Zetterlin come in and was a major piece of the Timo trade. You need those type of depth players on cheaper deals, uh, that are good enough to be packaged for better assets uh, um, or just become something, you know, of studs themselves a la Jesper Brett. Yeah, perfect. Karpovich was picked in the sixth round too, you know? I do love my sixth round picks. Um, yeah, I again, I feel like if anyone kind of has that trade value, it will be Karpovich. Um, I actually was enough of a loser to watch film on that guy before he was drafted. Um and he kind of, like, what I saw, like, I don't know, my ceiling projection, because I'm obviously a professional scout, um, I would say is, like, 
2016 Drew Doughty. That's what I would equate him to if he hits his ceiling. Sure, sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I I gotta be honest, that's like one of the reasons I don't follow prospects and drafts in in, in that, you know, in the same level as some of you guys do, because I feel like everyone, you know, to, to be a professional athlete, you have to be the best player at every level that you've played to that point. So everything everyone has to say about you is good and your ceiling and all that stuff. And you get to, uh, you know, more level playing field of the professional leagues. And some of these guys are not that good, at least relatively. So, you know, I, I, I'm so tired of hearing like, oh, yeah, no, this guy's great. This guy's great. This guy's great. This guy's really great. And then, like, all of them end up in, like, you know, third pair AHL. So, um, you know, I'm just I'm tired of hearing about Chase Stillman. I'm, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Poor Chase. Hey, he's, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna be our our in somehow. Although I was much higher Mukumadula than I was Stillman ever. It wasn't but his fault. Yeah, it's not his fault. All all power to him. I hope he proves all the haters wrong. But any last <laughs> comments on on this draft uh, as we we go to wrap up here? No, I mean I, I guess just the overarching theme is that not a single person from our draft class is going to make the NHL. Okay, I will tell you. I say one of them do. I, well, make the NHLs and play a game, or like hits the NHL minimum of whatever it is, three hundred games or whatever. I think, it, I think it's two hundred games. Two hundred. So yeah. is that? Are you saying they just not one is going to play a game, or not one's going to hit two hundred? I think the only one who will play a game is Karpovich. Okay, um, I, I say at least. I'd say two of them play at least a game. One of them. One of them a handful, at least. Because, you know, why not? Sure. Because we're Devils fans. We're not here to talk about all the prospects sucking. <laughs> yeah. Why not? And and another one's traded in a nice nice return package. There you go. Other prediction. Deal. Sold. Yeah. All right. Uh, BP briefly brought this up, but uh, our next episode, barring anything crazy happening, we'll probably touch on development camp. And uh, unless a, another major string of trades happen... Uh, the goalies that are still out there. Um, maybe the forwards, although I don't really see us trading for one of those, but we'll talk about what's left of free agency and what's happened in development camp uh, up to that point. Speaking of which, are either of you gentlemen going to be going to development camp? No, sir. No, but one of our I... correspondents... Oh, and BP. All right. I'll be going on... Uh, I should be going both days. Um definitely going the first day i gotta see about the second day but i should be going both days sick isn't there isn't it four days or no there's only two days with people two, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. um so that's good we're gonna uh have a lot of content coming from that we also have a, another one of our correspondents uh dan who is going to be attending at least one of the days uh so i know we plan on grabbing some footage from development camp uh posting that up on our channel uh some discussions around how the events were for season ticket holders and all that other good stuff uh, that maybe gives you a, a point of view that you normally wouldn't see. Uh, so we're looking to, you know, looking forward to bringing that. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this will actually be my first time going to any sort of event like that um, in terms of I've never been to like a development camp or, you know, some of the prospect tournaments or anything they do. So I'm, I'm personally really excited for it. Yeah. It sounds no, like a blast. Awesome. That's awesome. Cool. All yeah, right, I guys. Uh, let's have a good night. Let's go, Devils. Jesper Bratt's the best player in the NHL.